0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Heart Heart Story podcast. I'm here with Corey Folsom, who's a relationship coach, and we're so honored to have you. So much very interesting experience to share with everyone. Um, very unique perspective and very unique background, which I'll let him get into a little bit more. So thank you for joining us. And please feel free to tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into coaching for love.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Well... Uh... Most of my 20s and 30s, I was actually a wilderness guide, and sometimes it was just people off the street. Oftentimes, it was people who wanted an experience in the wilderness multi-week to help them uh, gain their sobriety from drugs or alcohol, and so that was my deep dive into personal development and becoming more spiritually minded and open to to life itself so that was my early history and then later on I studied at different schools uh, Tantra academies uh, and I became a love coach so helping at first it was just helping people who wanted a better experience of love making and then it just organically grew to just helping people with intimacy with self, uh, communication. And it just, so I really ended up focusing on how people communicate on the inside and how they communicate with each other.
0: Brilliant, that's amazing. And I bet the time that you spent as a wilderness guide, um, helping people that had worked through addictions, was probably such a powerful initiation to getting to know themselves and having them rely on a power higher than themselves to source from.
1: 100%. Yeah. And because it's, you know, that kind of life shift isn't something we can do by ourselves. We need to recognize there's greater forces at work and recognize that Oh, there are allies around me. I can I can ask other people for help.
0: Right, absolutely, and and feel safe to do so. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and that that was a big part of my job as the as the guide in charge of this group of eight or nine or ten people is to make it a safe environment, safe emotionally, and you know, of course, with all the hazards in the wilderness, say physically too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, They always say like mother nature is the closest thing to like mother God that you can get that would truly nourish the soul. So I can see that being a huge part of like the growth and development there.
1: Yeah, and that was one of the things that I really had in my favor, favor is not only are they not surrounded by their same influences and people, they're in a completely new environment, which was my home environment. And I would every day send them off by themselves for an hour or two hours and kind of an extended siesta. So midday break, their assignment was to go find a place to be by themselves and think and journal and just be. And, And then usually around three weeks in, I would set them out on a three days and three nights by themselves in a little little constrained area, so they couldn't just go wandering off. Gosh knows where. But that was their their vision quest, a time to, you know, there's nothing to uh, really do. It's it's just sit and observe your environment, think about things, uh, get really 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 bored, and hopefully your mind will wear itself out to where it, it just gives up and now you're in touch with your soul and what you really want. And you know, nature has a certain pace that's conducive to to that. And so I would give them experiences by themselves in the natural setting as much as possible.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. And what kind of experiences came of that? I'm so curious.
1: <laughs> well a lot of what comes out is, well, I definitely don't want this, and I don't want that. And the more powerfully they got to feel, you know, who I really am. Uh, And and also I would, sometimes I would prep them. Oftentimes people would have difficulty developing an understanding of God or greater spirit and I would start them off sometimes by saying, well, why don't you just start listing in your journal everything that you think God is not. So not jealous, not vindictive, you know, not competitive and on and on. And that helps process of elimination. <laughs> we right. we can get to a, a greater understanding of spirit. And I'm always trying to bring the conversations back to that deeper sense of, uh, of, of, looking at life.
0: Right. I love that. So they really got to know who they were, um, taking off all the veils, all the layers, all the armor. And it seems like that primed you so well for your next part of your life experience as a deeper into intimacy and things like that with Tantra.
1: Yeah. And because when in the final analysis, we don't necessarily need uh, anything from the outside, we can go to, you know, a dozen workshops, weekend events, and study with various teachers. Uh, we could talk about our issues or our wounds ad nauseum, and in the final analysis, what's really going to make the shift, the healing, is when you actually uh, come face to face with you and realize that there's goodness inside you and that whatever little spark of hope and brightness that that you can nurture that and build it and so it, it's mostly about remembering who you really are
0: wow i love that and
1: making that uh a guiding star
0: yeah so it's like they find the little spark nurture it it grows it multiplies they figure out how to protect it and not let it go out again. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 100%. And so that's and that's one reason why the length of time in the wilderness was such a good thing, because when you gain new understanding, say, in a weekend, you, you want to have some practice time to... Um, to develop new habits. And also there's time for frustrations to naturally arise, especially in a, in a group. And so you get to see, oh, maybe I'm not quite as far along as I thought because I reverted to some old frustrated pattern. And so we get to work with that. And so there's also time to think about how to structure your life after the experience you know, who do I really want to spend time with? Who shouldn't I be spending time with? You know, what are my next steps? And and that's the thing about big, big decisions. You can get there by making some small decision. So I don't know necessarily what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, or where I'm going to, if I'm going to move to some other state, I'm going to stay where I am. But there, there's certainly a decision that I could start off with. So I know that I'm gonna take better care of myself and that might start with any number of small things in a day. And so those are smaller decisions. And as you support yourself in doing things that are more healthy for you, then the bigger picture gets less cloudy and you can kind of see where you wanna go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Vision is clear at that point. So with all that getting to know yourself really, really deeply in the nature um, setting, and then talk to me about how you moved into studying Tantra and deepening intimacy and things like that and how you brought that into your couple's work or your relationship work.
1: Sure. Well, I had been um, married two times and divorced and I, I, I was always a really good person. And one of my big questions was how come life doesn't respond with awesomeness to, to a person as good as me? And, yeah. and, you know, being a good person wasn't good enough. I needed to develop um, the, a commitment to speaking up for myself, using my trusting my voice, and uh, just owning what I want, what I didn't want, and and having clear, being able to clearly communicate that in a skillful manner, not say waiting till I'm frustrated to bring something up, that kind of, you know, all those basic uh, supportive habits that healthy people in healthy relationships do, and so I, there was a whole other skill set that I needed to bring in, and, uh, and so, and I, I learned, too, that in in the past, I thought, well, you know, relationship is 50-50, everybody puts in, or each person puts in. And then, but what I came to realize was it's actually 100-100, <laughs> you know, you give 100%, they give 100%, and things are going to work out better. and And so I wasn't, I learned to not be halfway in, I'm in or I'm out, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that a lot of people talk about, you know, uh, not doing anything unless it's a real yes. And so, and then what I would add to that is then using your voice in service of yes or no.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. And so as I became uh, interested in getting better, I would go to various uh, teachers, I studied under uh, some very esteemed teachers in the personal growth world, in the tantra world. and it just changed me. the this the new understandings was like an epiphany, an epiphany, an epiphany just they just kept coming. And so it was really a process of remembering who I am and I didn't have to practice anything new. I just had to stop practicing all the stuff that wasn't me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And and so, you know, I took the basic building block of a really good, earnest person and added uh, things, uh, healthy habits, skillful communication, and discarded the unhealthy habits, not speaking up for myself, um, you know, like that.
0: Yeah I can totally identify with that as well as I was married twice and I also thought a really good person like why why am I with this why am I choosing these experiences that cause so much sorrow or suffering in the longer run and even doing all this work I love personal development I do as much as I feel aligned to do which is a lot but it's still like getting down to that deep, deep place of owning your needs and voicing them and and feeling like I have the right to be fully taken care of Um, and also taking care of my partner 100-100 as well. I used to think 50-50 was the way to go also. So it's very interesting, a similar parallel there in our journeys and realizations of how to actually have a healthy relationship is really having that beautiful, healthy relationship with yourself and then continuously nurturing it, growing it and sharing it with the other person and allowing them space to do the same.
1: Yeah, exactly. And another really important supportive concept with all that is, is the, is the ability to really be in gratitude and not just appreciating, oh, this nice thing happened today, but realizing say for instance, your partner wasn't drafted for the position of your partner, (laughs) that they're volunteer. This is a volunteer organization and I volunteered to be here as did they. And and so we each deserve the best from each other and ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just grateful grateful to be able to be part of it yeah and and this other person doesn't owe me anything except maybe truth yeah and you know they tell me the truth and the rest of it will you know we'll, we'll manage we'll work that out just fine as long as we were operating from that
0: yeah definitely a perfect fun perfect foundational piece there um so when you started studying the tantra aspects like how do you find that helps couples to learn things like that? Or like, what would they even need to know about it if they aren't really engaged in that world?
1: Yeah, the the one of the very first things that I came to realize with Tantra is the concept of slowing down much more than you would first think. So my this one teacher, uh, Charles Muir used to say, you know, touch your partner really slowly and then cut that speed in half and then just go as, then just go just as slow as you possibly can because you want to be present for this beautiful moment and you're not, you don't want to just uh, rush through this intimacy and and so just the practice of sitting with a beloved and gazing in their in each other's eyes and not having anything else that's going to be after it's whatever is after is not here it's to be determined so let's just be here and and just to sit in stillness and, and eye gaze. And it's just such a fabulous practice for coming back into and remaining in this present moment. And uh, it's really also uh, common for the woman to be more attuned to when her partner is maybe drifting away, like they're thinking some other thought for a moment. And so uh, when I was doing that, I found myself drifting, thinking about some other thing. My partner would reach over and just with her index finger, just tap my sternum a couple times. Just, hey, like (laughs) be with me.
0: Uh
1: And so that was so helpful and deepening and bonding. And so just learning that this communion, this togetherness that we co-create, it doesn't have to look like any, any pattern. It's a new moment. We can just be with each other and, you know, and if you can find the moment and stay in it and feel the texture and the expansiveness and the the everything that's contained in that you've won i mean that's that's what tantra is it's this attention to the moment
0: um i love that and how about some advice for couples if that amount of closeness kind of brings up a little bit of anxiety for them
1: yeah and so I like to say that undefended vulnerability is a great aphrodisiac. Yeah. And, and so I encourage couples to, to just speak, speak up, use your voice and just say, I'm having a good time with you and I just want to speak to something that's come up for me right now. And I, I, I say it that way because I love, leading with something that's positive and it should be of course true and so it's just i know it's easier for me to hear uh you could say hey you know um you didn't do anything wrong and (laughs) i want to just address something small uh while it's still small if that's all right and so there's there's ways of you know softening that that start off and so if And I also uh, like to give couples the practice of alternate touch. And so, you know, say you designate however much time, say we're going to spend 20 minutes or an hour, whatever it is, and maybe a whole evening. And one person would be the receiver and one the giver. And so the giver would touch their partner with the idea the expectation that the receiver is going to give feed real-time feedback okay oh that's good you know uh i appreciate that and slower and lighter would feel better
0: uh-huh.
1: and then or maybe you say actually uh maybe this other thing and so you know perhaps you start at the crown of their head and do this light little fingers through the hair and maybe somebody's like yeah i'm not a fan of my hair being touched or maybe or that's awesome you know stay here a little longer please and you're kind of mapping their body and um maybe when they your their forearm is touched ever so lightly that you learn to go with the little hairs not against them <laughs> you know so you're learning to rub your partner the right way so to speak right
0: <laughs> i like that <laughs>
1: And so, but just those kind of practices where it doesn't have to be sex as you normally understand it. It can just be togetherness and intimacy and learning. If you, they, you go into to it with an attitude of, I'm just here to learn. I want to know you and what lights you up, what turns you down. and And we'll just discover all this together. And so, that is a great place to start. And I also want to add to that and say, one of the things that couples get into is when they've, they, they, they hesitate to touch one another because they don't want to give the wrong impression that, Oh, this means I'm ready for sex or I'm, I want to have sex tonight, or it doesn't have to mean that. And so So they don't, they just hold back and they say, well, I'm not going to, you know, touch their elbow as they walk by and, you know, give them a smile with my eyes or, or whatever. It's like, yeah, I don't want to give the wrong impression. So, but when we talk about it and I, I say, well, there's non-obligation touch and you have to be able to trust your your ability to speak up for yourself Uh, and if you if they talk about it ahead of time and set that up to where I'm interested in more physical contact I want to touch you more and just show my affection throughout the day or times in the day without it having to mean anything could we try that and so then you're free to you know rub the back of their neck for a minute or whatever it may be, just some little bid for connection, little, uh, offering some warmth and let it just be a standalone thing. And that builds goodwill. It builds good feeling and they start to relax with each other. Yeah. And, and also it's, it's a wonderful thing just to practice. No. And so I might have couples, one person would say to the other, do you wanna to be touched right now? Or could I, could I give you a foot rub? How about we just look in each other's eyes for a few moments and these various things and the other person's instructed to say no to everything. And even if they want to say yes. And so, because it's just an exercise and the person upon hearing a no, their job is to simply say, thank you, that's okay. And it gives them this felt sense of they said no, and it was all right. And that builds that kind of emotional muscle of having it be okay to say no. And so when people are having trouble with using their voice, that might be a helpful exercise.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. And then for the person who's receiving the no, might some rejection feelings come up or something of that nature that they may have to work through as well? Uh,
1: yes, and remember that that's the, the parameters of the exercise. So they know they're going to hear a no, even if the person wants it to be a yes. So they, it's more of a game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really <laughs> Very, very good. I love everything that you said about slowing down and setting the space and choosing how you speak with intention and softness to lead into something that may not be your preference. I think those are all really, really good tips. And so all of this, like speaking from your soul that you've learned and um, learned how to maximize, then you wrote a book about it. So I'd love to hear about that.
1: I did. Thank you and the book is called Soul Statements. And I found myself saying a lot of the same things to kind of a chain of my coaching clients. And I thought, huh, I should write some of this stuff in a blog. So I started writing a blog and, and I just thought, oh, maybe my blogs, I could put them all together and I'd have a little book. And I mean, that was the initial thought. It didn't quite work that way. But I just saw how helpful it was for my clients to change how they talk to themselves on the inside to be able to realize that their answers are in their center and that they can access their center. Uh, and, and I was at a seminar with Tony Robbins and he said something so brilliant he said, our minds are designed to look for what's wrong. right? And what's wrong is always available. But so is what's right. Wow. And that was my light bulb moment. And I thought, yes. So when I started doing with my clients is I, I would say, at this moment of difficulty, whatever that may be, what, what is said? Inside your own head. So, in other words, what are you saying to yourself at that moment? What what meaning are you assigning to this uh, unhappy event? And so, if you're, for instance, saying, "Well, I, I don't know what to do," you can give your brain an alternate thing to ponder. So you might say, "My soul knows what to do." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and sometimes if if just everyone's different. Some people like to do it more more formally, so they might say they might hear themselves say, um, "I don't know what to do." Then they're like, "Oh yeah, that's my cue. I'm ready with my little formula," and they'll say, "Oh yeah, that's what I used to think. What's really true is." The answers are in my center or whatever might be true for them. So it's it becomes this pre-thought out little tool that you carry around in your handbag or your pocket to just when you hear yourself saying that old message, going, Oh yeah, I remember that's the my that's the old brain. What's really true is what I really know about myself is. And so you have these. Um, pre-made, ready-to-go statements, and I just started calling them soul statements. Another one that's a favorite is when you feel your heart contracting, like somebody maybe close to you said something that didn't feel good and made you perhaps go to a place of feeling less than for a moment, perhaps your go-to statement might be, you know, my heart is a treasure and the one of the great benefits of soul statement is yes it's an affirmation but it's not the typical affirmation that's you want to feel something or experience something in present in future so you you bring in the emotion of it this sense of it the thoughts of it in present time so you're Trying to inhabit this future state in the present. Whereas a stole statement, you're going down inside you for something that's just already and always has been true. So it's you're not, it's not a fake it till you make it. You're just like, oh, actually, I know what's really true about me. And that's the fact is my heart is a treasure.
0: Right. It's kind of like a little key to unlock a little piece of the soul so it can come out and spend time there.
1: Yeah. And, and when I'm working with it with myself, and I hear myself, you know, catastrophizing in my head, you know, what's the worst case scenario in this, you know, could possibly come about? I'll, I'll actually uh, smile when I'll I'll go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm still thinking that (laughs) one more time. It's, kind of funny that this just this tape just keeps playing i I maybe don't go through that whole thought but i'll just get a sense of humor for it like oh my gosh that's still happening in my head how funny is that what i really know to be true is that everything works out
0: right
1: Yeah. yeah i heard something great and i don't know who to attribute it to uh a long time ago and it it was that everything is okay in the end And if it's not okay, it's not the end.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. That's a good one, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, it feels really good um, hearing about the soul statements and I can't wait to get the book and read them. Sounds very helpful.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so exciting to me. It just goes right to the heart of of, um, providing some kind of tool in that moment that we all, the moments that we all have of self-doubt or unsureness, or we're just wondering what to do. And uh, and to just as as Esther Hicks Abraham says, look for that next best thought. Yeah. Right. And so that, but we want that next best thought in this case to be something that's just eternal and unchanging about our soul that we can go, oh yeah, you know, I am stronger than my challenges my soul does know what to do my heart is a treasure or you know there's a place at my center where i can tune out everything else and then just whatever reminder is is appropriate for for that thought that wasn't helpful to just counteract Um, it's it's like you're you're it's really a form of curating your thoughts and I say in my book, you know, why not become your own head coach? <laughs> you know, every team has a coach, right? Every great performer has a coach or several. And and why why shouldn't we make we can be our own coach?
0: Yeah, I like how too um, when you recognize your own patterns, you kind of laugh about it, and it's like a sense of self self enjoyment and self forgiveness for the thought. And then you quickly go on to the new pattern thought and everything shifts immediately. It's like everything it does. is mm-hmm. available all at the same time. And it's like, what are you looking for? Like what are you, especially if you're magnifying on it, it's going to be blown up, but um, they're all available.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the thing about the traditional affirmations is what makes it powerful and effective is when you can feel the emotion of it. And this so the same goes for the soul statements. And what I found is when you get a soul statement that just resonates in your bones as it should, then it's it's a a really easy lift to feel it because it's already true. It's not something that you're drawing in. it's 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 something you've you've uncovered. And so when you say, you know, my heart is loving and strong, it's like, it's so true that you can, you wanna rest in the truth of it and let the truth of it be a a feeling. Like that is so true. I feel it's true. I know it's true. And of course it's true. And so that's where the power in any of this lies is in the emotion.
0: Definitely. Well, that's amazing, and um, it's a beautiful little cover printed here for me. Oh,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait to read it, and I'll post about, I'll post the link to purchase it underneath this podcast, as well as in addition to your website. Um, as we wrap up, could you share like your current offerings or um, what you're working on with clients? What that would look like if anyone wants to reach out with you, reach out to work oh, with you?
1: Yeah, uh, I work with. A lot of people who are looking for something more in life, but more especially in love. And a lot of somebody who says, you know, these old patterns in relating, in sexing, in intimacy, and communication are just getting kind of tired and worn out, and not serving me. And I want to feel more ease more joy, more calmness, and more, um, abundance in how I feel and who I'm surrounding myself with and how I'm spending my time. And so that's really what drives a lot of people to call me is they just want more in life and love. Beautiful. More than what they've had.
0: <laughs> You're perfect. Yeah. And you yeah. do individuals and also couples.
1: I do. I do. And, uh, and i have a website corerelationship.com and there's there's a way to book a call with me and and i have a couple dozen blog articles and so a lot a lot of information and resources are there and the book's going to be up there too in terms of a a purchase button
0: perfect thank you so much um is there any last wisdom you'd like to share before we wrap up
1: <laughs> uh, i would like to say that fearlessness really serves a person. In other words, just trusting that you are going to be okay on the inside, no matter what anybody else does or doesn't do, but that there's this basic okayness down inside you. And that the more you can fearlessly fight for that, uh, to, to speak up for your needs and to to say you know that sounds really fun and what would work out best for me is if we did it in the afternoon instead of the morning or you know just however if you could wave a magic wand sprinkle some pixie dust and have your life be just just so like oh that would be the best just ask for that speak for that and and uh it's That's a wonderful half. Yeah. and and i as a, a man i really need want that from my partner because how i don't want to be going in some direction that she's not super happy with if i could just as easily go with this way so her needs are need to know for me it doesn't mean i revolve around her i revolve around my own axis but i also want to know what her needs are so Uh, so we can each have a better time
0: yeah absolutely so it is really important to come home to yourself learn how to be free enough to speak your needs and desires and just learn how to get really really comfortable with that it looks like that's what you've mastered in your life's work here and just getting close with God and the God within yourself
1: yeah yeah it's it's such an honor and pleasure to have these conversations. And I I think that's what I love most about being a, a love coach, a relationship coach, is just feeling and seeing these transformations in real time. And and it's we're all all these things we're talking about are my favorite subjects anyway. So it's it's wonderful.
0: Right. Well it was very interesting and very brilliant little tidbits and pieces and Uh, I think anyone will be really blessed to hear all these insights if they're able to align with this and listen. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was much appreciated. Love to have you on another time to chat more about your book or something.
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: Okay. Bye everyone. Have a great day.